Customer Land is a podcast about customers, how to get more of them, how to keep them, what makes them tick. We talk to the experts, the technologies, and occasionally actual people, you know, customers, to find out what they're all about. So if you're a CX pro, a loyalty marketer, a brand owner, an agency planner, if you're a CRM and personalization geek, if you're a customer service CSAT NPS nerd, you finally have a home. I'm Mike Giambattista. Welcome to Customer Land. We'll talk about your book books um, shortly, but you've got quite a background. I've seen something of your CV. Um, it's it's not what I would call linear. <laughs> but but that probably has contributed to to your perspective on life and business. And you know, maybe just tell us about a little bit where, where you came from and how you got to this point. Yeah, well, I mean, um from a business standpoint, the, where I came from is is I um, I went to USC, got a, a marketing degree, and I wanted to, but I was also a cartoonist already. I was already published in the LA papers, and um, I, I wanted to mix the two. I wanted to mix cartooning and and personalization had just become a, f- a factor, and 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 put it into direct mail campaigns. But I wanted to do it for these very very. Um, um, glamorous clients, these all these magazine publishers, they were some of the biggest, most sophisticated users and testers of of direct response. And so I wanted to wanted to set it up there. There was a problem though. David Ogilvy, do you remember him? I know sure. we're you know we're, we're all old enough to remember him. So David used to say that that uh, he was the, for those who don't know, he was the original thought leader, I would say, in marketing and advertising. And so he used to say that people don't buy from clowns that humor doesn't work in, in marketing and advertising. So all of his followers would say the same thing. Let's say, for example, up on stage when they're giving a, a talk about how to succeed in, in, um, in direct mail. Well, so I had that headwind, but here's, here's what pushed me through. I knew that readership sur- surveys were saying that cartoons were almost always the best read to remember parts of magazines and newspapers and I just thought, well, that's that's it. I mean, that, it's such a there's such a powerful device. I'm just going to go ahead anyway. And um, and so that led to all kinds of crazy things in my life. One was I got my first two assignments: Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. Um, and so I created not bad like, first gigs, <laughs> not bad. So um, so I, I created these test campaigns for them. They they went up against their controls. Their 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 most the most effective thing they'd ever mailed in those positions in their campaigns. And and the the two first pieces I did beat their controls. I was like a rookie walking onto well we're talking about the probably the Red Sox, right? But walking onto the baseball walking onto Fenway Park and hitting two grand slam home runs. And so from that came a bunch of things. One is that I I thought okay, that's my opening. I will reach out to the rest of the publishing industry to really if I, I needed to reach out to about maybe two dozen people. And um, and these were VPs of circulation or consumer marketing at you know, companies like Time Inc. and Condé Nast and the Wall Street Journal and so Forbes and so on. So just about 24 of them. And I just thought, I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to reach out to them, but I, I want to send them a, a sample of a personalized cartoon. And then I'm just going to send them a note with that that says, hey, this is, this is a device I just used to beat the controls for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. And I think we should put these to the test for your titles. And um, and I 
that thing changed my life. I mean, that that launched. I got through to all of them. Not only that, but all of them agreed to meet, and all of them became clients. So it was a hundred percent response wow. and conversion. Oh, I'm sorry, hundred percent response meeting rate and then conversion, and and it it was worth millions of dollars to launch my business. And it all came from a campaign that went to 24 people. It cost me about $100. And so that led to writing um, how to grow, I'm sorry, how to get a meeting with anyone eventually. Um, but also during that time, um, cartooning was a big feature of, of what I was doing. And so I, I thought, well, okay, it launched my, my agency and I need to offer more than just my cartooning. I need to offer, you know, other, I, I want to bring in my favorite cartoonists into my group. And so I recruited, again, I don't know if you'll remember these names, but Gahan Wilson and Eldon Dadini from Playboy. Um, and then uh, and then a bunch of New Yorker cartoonists. And so um, Bob Mankoff and Arnie Levin and Leo Cullum and all these great, great these were my heroes of cartooning. And and they would, you know, we I would work with them so much on these campaigns and I'd go out to New York because most of them were, were in New York, uh, in New York City. And hang out with them and and really I ended up being mentored by these by these cartoonists. I didn't realize nobody realized that was happening, but but that's what happened. That that was one of those outcomes as well. And um and then I mentioned the 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 book or my first book, how how to uh how to get a meeting with anyone popped out of that. And and my whole career started with creating direct mail campaigns for publishers. That's wild. It, it, I guess if um uh... If all 24 of your outreach prospects responded, there's a 100% response rate. You almost have to write a book at that point because that's well, that's that's miraculous. Kind of, except that all I thought I, at that point, I just thought, well, that was that was weird. <laughs> you know, what just happened? <laughs> and then um, and then I thought, you know, I got how far can I go with this? I, and I started sending cartoons to presidents and prime ministers and celebrities and and just a lot of mischief actually with the cartoons but and lots of sea level folks and i was getting through and i thought well man aren't i cool i've got a secret weapon and um and then i realized wait a minute that how silly of me because look everyone has to get meetings everyone has to deal with this issue of well how do you break through to these people who can change everything um in in your career and just change the scale of what you're doing how do you how, what's everyone else doing and that was what that focus outward is what what really helped and changed everything because then I started coming across all these crazy stories of what people were doing to get meetings and and you know I I got that hundred percent response rate right off the bat I mentioned I couldn't talk about that at all because if I had again David Ogilvy was probably the the gen, the progenitor of this but but the the experts also used to say that 100% response rates were absolutely impossible in direct response they probably are in direct response but but this wasn't direct response i don't know what to call it you know so but but it wasn't quite direct response and so i i couldn't talk about the fact that i sent that campaign out and got a 100% response rate but once i started talking to some of these other people who had these interesting methods for breaking through like let's say dan waldschmidt who sends swords he has these swords made up for these ceos of companies that are in trouble he, he runs a a, a, um, a turnaround um consultancy and so you know he he, he when he when he finds someone who's who's has a story of missed earnings estimates in the news he has a sword made up by the prop maker who made all the swords for the movie gladiator and 
He sends it out in this beautiful felt-lined wooden box and a, a handwritten note. There's no branding on it. I mean, there's no logos or anything, just a handwritten note from Dan to you, the CEO of or whoever he's writing to. And, and he's saying, hey, listen, uh, business is war, and I noticed you lost a battle recently. Just wanted to let you know, if you ever need a few extra hands in battle, we've got your back. And that was the whole point of sending the sword. And and he was getting 100% response rate. And okay. others were getting these. And actually, one got one was getting something somewhere between three and 400% response to to his contact campaign. Each year for the past 20 years or so, the world's best marketers have been gathering in Chicago for two and a half days of high-level learning and networking. It's called CRMC. On my calendar, I've placed a hard hold on June 7th through the 9th so that I can be there and be a part of what's about to happen in retail, in loyalty, and in technology. You should be there too. You can learn more and you can register in the link below this podcast, or you can go directly to the event website at thecrmc.com. That's thecrmc.com. I go to my fair share of events throughout the year. CRMC is my one can't miss event of the year. I hope to see you there. We're talking about how to grow your business like a weed. And, and so that book, I just need to explain real quickly that that book came from a long time ago, I was driving down the Santa Monica Freeway, and it could have been any freeway anywhere, but I, it was the Santa Monica Freeway in LA. And um, there are six lanes of traffic coming one way, six coming the other way. It's all concrete and roaring tires. And then there's a 40 foot, I think it's about 40 feet um, wide median in the middle. It's all concrete though. And, um, and I noticed a dandelion going from a crack in the concrete. Um, median. And and that is something we see all the time. We're seeing it all the time, right? They're all out right now. So we're seeing it right now. It and, and But this particular time, as I drove by, I just thought, well, look at that. You know, it looks happy. It looks, you know, those happy yellow flowers and the seed pods and it's bouncing around in the smoggy turbulence of the, the cars going by. And I just thought it looks really happy running its process, just making a living from a crack, didn't care that it ended up in a crack in the middle of the freeway. I mean, it wasn't saying to itself probably, well, this sucks. I saw myself as living at the beach, you know, something like that. It didn't let anything like that get in the way. And I just thought, you know, that's remarkable because we don't see, I pick any other plants. We don't see oak trees or pine trees or, or rose bushes or petunias growing out of cracks in the concrete of anything. It's just weeds. And so it got me thinking, as I whiz by, what is it about weeds that are so special? What, why, what, how are they doing this? Do they have a model that they all use, like some sort of a unified model? And and if they do, is it applicable to our businesses? And I, I just resolved at that point to, um, I just wanted to take that lesson or take take in a lot more lessons from weeds, and understand what it is they're doing to survive and thrive in places and under in, under conditions that the rest of us would wilt under. I mean, other plants don't show up there. So what is it about them? And I realized that they came to realize that they all follow this one, um, this one formula for, for growth. And it, I think it's not just, it's not only a, uh, a, you know, formula for business, I would say it's just, it's sort of a theory of everything about growing anything. And, and so when I, as I, so this has been ruminating as a book idea for quite a long time. And 
Um, and then you mentioned Kathy Ireland and General Barry McCaffrey. And I also interviewed um, um, David Petraeus, who also four-star general and the former director of the CIA and a CIA um, station chief. I was trying to understand. I thought they're weed, they kind of live in a weed-like world. So I wanted True. to really understand the essence of how the same the same strategies that weeds use show up in business and help us grow and so, and, and just sort of in human life. So that's that's why we ended up with, with really a pretty disparate group of people. But um, I also interviewed a lot of business um, uh, experts, startup experts, et cetera, just all kinds of, and also um, botanists and uh, weed scientists didn't know there were any until, until writing the book, but weed scientists. And I really just wanted to get an idea of what is it that weeds are doing and how has that shown up in, let's say, the lives of Kathy Ireland. And you know, Kathy is just, she's a, um, I don't think she's quite a billionaire, but she's quite, quite well off. We, of course, we knew her from being a suit, uh, sorry, a, an SI or um, Sports Illustrated model. Um, and and then being just a high fashion model, but she realized at some point that she's she's going to be uh, an old model. And um, I I think uh, Paulina Poroskova talks about this a lot. That she she says, you know, I can't get dates, and which seems really odd to me. <laughs> but, yeah, right. but okay, that's I don't know why Paulina, but I'm sure you'll get them. <laughs> so, uh, but. Um, but she was sitting with her team one day in their kitchen, in her kitchen, saying, "What am I going to do? I need to reinvent myself." And and so, what can I do? What 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 are my essentially what are my unfair advantages? Which is part of the weeds model. I mean, the weeds weeds leverage a fierce mindset, an expansive, fierce, aggressive mindset. Even though they don't have brains, but they do. You can see it in your garden and in your yard. They leverage that and unfair advantages against collective scale, and they do it according to a process that has been honed over millions of years, but it's able to adapt almost instantly to any challenge. So that's that's their model. That's how they do it. And so Kathy was asking her team, what are my unfair advantages that I can take into, into the next chapter of my life? And of course, she was well known. Um, and she was able to, to parlay that into, I, really, she's a branding uh, empire at this point. And um, she told me, though, that she always thought of herself as a weed. <laughs> that was no kidding. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, so she I, you could say that her career grew like a weed and then and then eventually her business grew like a weed. And and it did it through a lot of I, mean, I think that the two characteristics that really stand out to me and they stand out to me as as things that will be um, um, that will be talking about and and um, these missions that will serve with um with the people that show up to our um, um our growth summits that we're setting up all over the world and so i think so these would be just a small group of entrepreneurs who are there to 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 apply the weed strategy model to their to the business to help them grow i think one of the things that's really interesting about weeds is that they thrive in disrupted ground I mean, they thrive best in disrupted ground. That's, in other words, our yards, our gardens, farms, and so forth. I mean, they live for that. That's, I don't know if they live for that. Let's just say, though, that their their methods, everything about it, their model, their methods, their tools, all helps them um, thrive in in ground that has just been disrupted. So ground that has, that has just 
um, scattered all the other plants away. That's where they thrive best. And I think that that says a lot about using weed strategy to thrive during other dis well, disruptions in our lives. And we're always going through disruptions. We're in one now. We were in, we just came out of one, the, a big one, the pandemic, but now we're in a, at least a slowdown, if not a recession. So it's just a constant thing. AI will be another huge disruption. So how do we deal with all that? And I think that we deal with that in some pretty simple ways. We develop unfair advantages for ourselves. These are advantages that they're not really unfair advantages. They're not illegal. It's just things that that we that we can bring to market that help us compete. So our competitors might think of them as unfair advantages. And and then the other is that weeds are natural collaborators. And so it's it's all about developing these unfair advantages and collaborations. And collaborations are just they're magical. 